Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. Thanks for coming out this morning. And uh, Fight Club Chapter 10 is <clears throat> over. Graduations on Tuesday night, and uh, I, I got I got some numbers from that. There's uh, I think it's the largest number of guys throughout the three campuses that have gone through this 10-week challenge that they do. Um, I think the numbers were like somewhere around 230 guys, uh, 100 and. 30 plus graduated. I, I have to wear my glasses today, <clears throat> which helps absolutely in no way except to see you guys and you look all great. I can't read my notes. Um, even if I take my glasses off, I can't read them. Anyways, um, and so 58% <clears throat> of the guys who started the 10 week thing are graduating. And uh, I can't remember how many guys we had started. Do you remember, Jeff? Oh, 11 guys? 12 guys started, and four guys are graduating. So Jeff is a squad leader. Um, he's graduating on Tuesday night. Mark Keller with his brand new knees, um, right? He's graduating. And uh, Caleb Nabals- uh, yeah, Nabalski, I don't know why that slipped out wrong. So he's graduating, the young guy. And Bill Cannon. <laughs> Woo! We're all going to be there Tuesday night, <clears throat> just so you, right? Everybody's going to be down there in Fremont. All right, Fremont campus, 7 o'clock, right? So, yeah, and Bill's buying ice cream. That's right, yeah. That's right. <clears throat> so, and just, just so you know, they show all the kind of fun stuff, teamwork stuff, but the whole idea of Fight Club is not just challenge guys physically, but to challenge them um, spiritually and relationally, and so there's things that the guys do to help uh, their relationships, their marriages, and kids, and that kind of stuff as well. Spiritually, help them challenge them spiritually to do some things that maybe they they're not used to doing, like you know, reading the Bible every day and praying and and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so it's really good. I uh, really appreciate um, and proud of the guys, all the guys that jumped into it this year. Um, I, I, I I didn't do it this year, so um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, but I really appreciate proud of the guys who did, and especially the four guys that are graduating. This is exciting. All right. <clears throat> well, also this song, the first song we sang, I think Logan said something about it, but that uh, Greg wrote the music for that song. And so we thought, hey, let's, let's play it. Let's use it on Sunday. So that's, really, that's kind of a cool thing. Um, anyways, so the message. I got nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. No, this week has been kind of a, a struggle for me <clears throat> because my goal was um, and, and desire, and we're, go- we're going to, just not the way I was going to handle it, but my original plan was to work through the processes that a, a person who wants to free themselves from depression, anxiety, isolation that comes from that, <clears throat> um, and work through the process of that. What does that look like? How do you do that? Um, and, but as I continued to work on it, I thought to myself, you know, I, I do this a lot. I, I talk about the steps, the processes. You know, we're talking about Romans 12 too, that we're not to be conformed to the ways the world thinks, but we have our lives transformed by God as he renews our mind through his word. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, again, I've talked about it a lot over the last six years. And, and what I find often is the people that I talk to afterwards, um, or even, you know, coming from a message, it's almost, it's almost like they don't, they don't want to do it. <laughs> they don't want to 
take the steps. They don't want to work through the process. Um, <clears throat> for a lot of them, they, um, it seems like they would rather just, I'm going to take some medication and take care of the symptoms, but they're not taking care of the problem. Um, because the problem is the way we think. <clears throat> Our thinking and wrong thinking, um, inaccurate thinking, self-focused thinking, uh, causes us <clears throat> to have a wrong perspective on life. And the longer you have that wrong perspective, the more depressed you get, and the more depressed you get, the more you're opening yourself up to anxiety, anxiety attacks. And sadly, in our world today, especially post-COVID, <clears throat> suicides are up, um, and almost at an epidemic level, uh, because people have just been so <clears throat> depressed, so pushed down by what's going on in their life and in our world, um, that they're unable to cope. Um, <clears throat> but as I've been thinking about this, as I've been thinking about this, I thought, well, it seems like what the issue is, more than anything, is that people who deal with that or are kind of maybe even held captive by it, is that they don't trust God. So it's not the fact that, you know, it's the process, they're not even thinking about that because they don't, they don't know who God is. They don't trust God. And if you don't trust God, you can't trust the process that he lays out. So what I want to do this morning as somebody who, uh, and by the way, all of us struggle, all of us have issues where we're thinking wrong, okay? Uh, just some of us may deal with it more than others. But everybody has negative thinking. Everybody talks to themselves and tells themselves wrong things. Um, and so, but what I want to do as somebody who has those challenges in my own life and have dealt with times of depression, I want to tell you about my God. <clears throat> I want to tell you about the God who continually, day in and day out, gives me the ability to do what I have to do as a pastor in spite of what I might be thinking or what I might be feeling, the symptoms that I might have in my life, um, who he is, <clears throat> um, how he's, um, why it is that I trust him to do the process that he tells me to do and to experience him at work in my life. We're going to be in, in Psalm 139. <clears throat> it's page 635 of using the Bible there. And this is a poem or a song, a psalm, that King David wrote. King David is well known, if you've read any of his psalms, he's well known for being depressed. He's well known for being a guy who's dealing with anxiety. Um, he's messed up in his life. He's sinned in his life. He, before becoming a, a king, he had the king chasing him. Uh, he was in fear of his life. He, was, uh, he had no place to live. He was hiding in caves. His life was a mess. There was a lot of fear going on in his life. Um, there was a, an, it was very easy for him to get the wrong perspective, to wonder if God was there. He even asks that in a lot of his psalms. He'll ask God, where are you? Are you here? Have you forgotten me? I don't know where you're at. I'm calling out to you. I'm not hearing back from you. And, and he, he does that. But the, the key thing that David does in his psalms is that he pours out his fear, his concern, but then what he does is he doesn't stop there. He then reminds himself who God is. He reminds himself about the truth of who God is. <clears throat> and you'll see that in his Psalms. He'll say, I, but I choose to, in spite of how I'm feeling, I'm choosing to trust you, God. I'm choosing to look to you. And so as we read through this Psalm this morning, 
I want to challenge you. And even if you're, you know, even if you're not dealing with depression, anxiety, and that kind of stuff, um, I just want to challenge you to ask this question: <clears throat> Can I trust this God? Is this God the, a God that I can trust that when He says, "Hey, do this," <clears throat> in spite of what I want to do and what I'm thinking I should do, can I trust Him to do it? Can I trust that He will do it? Because see, ultimately, depression, anxiety is a fixation on what is not true. <clears throat> It's a fixation on a perspective that is not accurate. And then we respond according to that. So, in this renewal process, what God's trying us to get us to do is to think on what is true and to understand what his perspective uh, is on life and what we're going through. So, again, we're going to try to do a little different <clears throat> tact here. We're not going to actually talk about the processes. I'll probably end up getting there next week when we talk about addictions. Excuse me, I got something in my throat. I do have water. As for people who are listening on podcasts, they know that I'm actually drinking water at that point. <laughs> so, we're going to break down this psalm and see what, what God wants us to know about himself. Now, as you're reading this, <clears throat> David's writing this, and so David is saying this to God. So this is a prayer as well as a song and a psalm and all that kind of stuff. And so as you're reading it, or as I'm reading it and you're following along, make this your prayer. Think of it as you saying this to God. All right? Make your relationship with God personal. We talked about this in the grow class yesterday. You know, when we're in prayer, take God's word and pray it back to him. You know, or when you're writing notes down about, the, about what you're reading, don't write God, write you because you're talking to God. You're, God's talking to you. Anyways, <clears throat> he says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. So he, he knows everything that you're thinking and feeling. Whatever that might be, he, he knows. You scrutinize, which means he, he lays out before me my path and my lying down. He knows that between 9 and 9.30, pretty much every night, I'm going to be laying down. He, he knows that. And are intimately acquainted with all my ways. So he, he knows where you're going and what you'll encounter. Now, for people who are dealing with anxiety, for instance, and they're, they're afraid you maybe even leave their home, do you believe that God is out there in the sense that he's ahead of you? That he knows you have to leave the house and he's going to be there for you? Even before there is a word on my tongue, <clears throat> behold, O oh Lord, you know, you know it all. You have enclosed me, it has this idea of encircling, enclosed me behind and before, so he protects on every side, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. David's like, man, that truth is just, it blows my mind, God, that you are that awesome, that you are that caring, that you have that ability. See, first of all, God is omniscient. That's a, a big theological word. It's good to know, only to impress your friends and family. And, but what that means is he knows all about everything, <clears throat> including you. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows everything that could be true about you. Should you have gone in one direction in your life? 
He, he knows everything about you should you have gone another direction in your life. He knows everything about you. He knows your inner thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows your fears. He knows your frustrations. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you're doing and going to do. He knows everything you're thinking and going to think. He knows everywhere you're going and going to go. Everything you're saying and going to say. He knows it all. Everything. And he has his hand on you. He's there. Protecting. Caring. Guiding. Preparing the way. He knows everything. Everything that you don't know, He knows. Can you trust that God? He knows it all. Not only does He know everything, He's everywhere at one time. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, if I go to hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I, if I fly to the ends of the earth, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, in other words, in the deepest part of the ocean, if I hide down there, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Man, I tell you, if you've ever dealt with depression and anxiety, that's not... Is that not what you feel? The, the sense of darkness, the sense of gloom, the sense of hopelessness, the sense of things aren't going to change, and if I try something, it's not going to work, and it's just, it's just bad, and it's dark, and it's hopeless. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is not as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. He's omnipresent. Another big word means that he is everywhere, fully, at all times. And so, he is fully here. You know, we have songs where we invite, you know, God, we invite you here. No, we don't invite God here. He's here. He's everywhere, all at once, fully, completely. He doesn't get distracted. He's not looking at what's going on in my life. And, whoa, 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 Bill's got something going on over here. Better, whoa, something. You know, he's not. No, he's everywhere, fully, at the same time. That includes where we're at emotionally. The darkness that we might feel. The fear that we have in our lives. Again, these are feelings. And if you don't learn anything else, get this. We've got to ask God to burn this into our hearts. What we are, what we are experiencing is feelings. Emotions based on what we're thinking. And, and God is there. Even when we think it's dark, even when our feelings are telling us that we need to be scared, that we, we can't go out of our homes, we can't be around other people, we, we can't do the things that God has designed us to do because He's, he's there. And as we go out of our homes, He's there. And as we get around other people, He's there. He's got His hands on us. He's encircling us, protecting us. He is the light. 
He's the one. He himself, God, is the one who's going to bring light to that darkness. How does he do that? Through his word, the Bible. I've had depressed people say this to me all the time. Well, I pray all the time, Pastor. Awesome, great, prayer is part of this. Then I'll say, well, you know, what's the prayer? Well, I just, you know, I'm telling, Lord, I just need your help. Lord, I'm so scared. Lord, I'm so anxious. Lord, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Okay, that's not praying. That's you just telling God how you're feeling. Prayer is worship. Prayer needs to include God telling us his thoughts. Well, how do we know his thoughts? We only know his thoughts through the Bible. And so our prayer needs to be us reminding ourselves by telling God, because God knows who he is, right? We're not telling him anything new. No, we're telling him who he is because we're reminding ourselves. Because how we think, when we think things that cause us to move into depression, anxiety, isolation, those things are self-focused. We are being self-absorbed. We're thinking more about ourselves and what we think is true and not thinking about what is actually true because God is the one who knows what is true. He knows what is outside our home. He knows the importance of being around other Christians. In fact, look what, look what he says. This is out of... Proverbs 18, I'm reading through Proverbs. If you read one proverb a day, you'll get through in a month. There's 31 Proverbs. February and months that only have 30, you know, figure it out. Don't, you know, wait a second, it's 28 days. Don't worry about it. Just one, one proverb a day. So on the 18th, which is the day after Sitnamai, which is Norwegian Independence Day or Constitution Day in Norway, you guys all celebrate the 17th of May? That was awesome, wasn't it? Woo! Norway! Yeah, you people. Anyways, I was really bummed because I would always call my dad on Sitnamai. And I would, hip, hip, Norga, hip, hip, Norga. I would do that for him. And he loved it, you know. Anyways, he's in heaven now. So I tried to do it with my kids. So I texted them because that's what they do. Anyways, let me get back to this. Look what, look what God says. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. See, God created us for relationship. That's just one of the sound wisdom. But we want to remove ourselves from people. I'm not saying we have people around us 100% of the time. What I'm saying is, when we need to be here on a Sunday morning, you know, we need to be around our church family, we've got people who are not coming. When we need to be around people, and we choose to not that's just one. I'm just throwing out one thing. So he rebels against sound wisdom, against what God has said. A fool. Now, in Scripture, it says that a fool has said in their heart, there is no God. And so a fool is a person who acts if there's no God, does not delight in understanding. Why? Because they only want to show off their opinions. That's, I don't know about you guys, but I read that this week. I'm just like, oh, ow. 
wait, you're talking about me. That's not very nice of you, Lord. (laughs) But it's true, isn't it? What gets me down? What causes me to get into a depression and I just don't feel good? Well, if I start evaluating my thoughts, it's because I'm starting to look at what I think the world looks like. What I think God's doing or not doing. What God's not doing in other people's lives. It's one of my big things is I'm looking and evaluating and wondering, God, are you doing anything? Because I'm looking at people and they're struggling. And, and so to, to not believe God will protect you, to not believe that God will, and God's way of working through this is the right way, to not do that is to, is to be self-focused, self-absorbed, to think you know better than God. And I'm not saying this to beat anybody down. Because us people who deal with depression, we're like, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm terrible. I think bad. Listen, that's not where we stay. But we need to know the truth, right? We we need to evaluate it based on what God says and then make the changes that need to be made. So we need to humble ourselves. We need to reject our selfish thinking. We need to open up God's word and we need to let God's word come in so his light shines in us and gives us understanding. And then David now, he, he brings, us, brings God, I think, even closer to us. Look what he says. For you formed my inward, part, inward parts. So not just the body, but your inner being. God did. You wove me. He got the processes going, that means, in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, you're not stupid. Stop telling yourself you're stupid. You're not ugly. Stop telling yourself you're ugly. You're not worthless. Stop telling yourself you're worthless. Why? Because you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a reason why God let you be who you are. And to look the way you look. I look the way I look. It makes a lot of people feel very good about themselves. <laughs> you know? But let's just be honest about it. Right? I saying, hey, I don't need any help. <laughs> hey, you in the, bed, in the cheap sheets. Uh, cheap sheets. <laughs> Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. Do you know that very well? That his work, you, is wonderful. That's what God thinks. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought, masterfully created with existing material. I love that. I love that. Hey, your parents got together. I know, no, nobody sex. Okay, whatever. Your parents get together and there's this wonderful time for them being intimate together because that's what God wants them to do. And then a, you were conceived and God was right there making sure it all worked the way he wanted it to work. That's awesome, isn't it? Man, in the depths of the earth, again, this is poetry, so he's talking about the womb. Sounds <laughs> the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written, all, or all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. All the possibilities of what your life could be, the way your life is now. But not just that, all of the possibilities of what your life could be depending on the free will choices that you have to make. God knew it all. 
God ordained it all. In other words, he has, in a sense, that control over it. Not that he controls you, because you have free will, but, but he knows, even, because he knows everything, the possibilities of what your life could be. Listen, God created you. Not just your outward being, but your inner being, who you are, your spiritual, emotional, and mental self. He created you. No matter what value you put on yourself, God says you're valuable. Because He created you, He loves you. And He wants to recreate you. Now you'll be, whoa, 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 wait a second. I got the creating thing, and I got that He loves me. What's this recreating thing? Well, let me just... Lay it out for you real quick. First of all, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned. We've all, uh, we've all gone against God's laws. Or we broke his laws. And because of that, we were born that way. Uh, and so because of that, we're not holy like he is. We're not perfect like he is. We, we are separated from him is what the Bible says. So even though he's been there forming us, and he loves us, when we are born... We're separated spiritually from him. But then Romans tells us this later on in chapter 5, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, you talk about being valued. That even when you were a sinner, before you ever came to faith in Christ, God loved you. God loved you so much that God the Son put on flesh, became man, and died in your place. It's pretty awesome. Much more than having now been justified. So if you believe this, God says, hey, you are not guilty of your sin. I am forgiving you of your sin. By his blood, so he died for us, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. And so God loves you so much that he wants to make sure you have a relationship with him. And so what he did is God, the son, died in your place. He took your sin, God's wrath for you, so you wouldn't have to which is eternity in hell, and now you can have a relationship with him. And then, 2 Corinthians tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone believes he died for the sin, and they accept that, and they ask God to forgive them, he is a new cre- creature or creation. The old things, the way we perceive life, the way we think about life, the way we think about ourselves, the things that cause us to move down into depression, anxiety, and isolation, those things are done away with. Right? It's, they're passed away. They're gone. Behold new things. How God thinks. What's God's perspective on what we're going through and why we're going through it and how we think about ourselves. God's perspective is the new. That's the renewal of the mind, the remodeling of the mind that he wants to do in our lives so that we live life differently. So we're, we're given the mind of Christ says this. Now we have received, again, when we place our faith in Christ, not the spirit of the world, not to continue thinking like society or selfishly, another way of putting it, but the spirit whom is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Where do we, where do we receive the things freely given to us from God? The Bible, right? I don't charge you. You're sitting at home, you don't have to put a little quarter in to get your Bible out, right? It's free. Man, we just got to open it up. 
about where I'm at. Now we have received, is this right? No, go to the next one. Thank you. Which things we also speak, not in the words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The battle is in our minds. It's a spiritual battle. And if we don't understand that, we'll never experience what God wants us to experience through that. If we're just focused on the symptoms, we're never going to deal with the issue. It's spiritual. Go on. For who has known the mind of the Lord that, we will, that he will instruct him? It comes out of Isaiah 40. But we have the mind of Christ. What Paul is saying is this. Who can tell God or instruct God on anything? Nobody, right? Because he's God. He knows everything. He knows everything and even the things that could possibly happen, he knows. But every time we think what we think is true and it is not what the Bible says is true, we're trying to instruct God. We're trying to tell God, God, I know, I know that I think... Um, I, you know, I don't have much value that people don't care about me and you don't care about me and nobody cares about me and, and I don't even care about me. And then God says, no, 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 you have, you have value. I love you. I created you. I died for you. And if you're a believer, you have God, the Holy Spirit in you. And then we stand over here, no, 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 this is how we, we're telling God, listen, let me tell you how it is. That's pride. That's selfishness. That's arrogance. We've been given the mind of Christ as Christians. We have the ability to understand because God the Holy Spirit has been given to us. Now we can read Scripture and we can understand Scripture. And people say, well, you know, Harold, I, I tried reading the Bible and I, I just can't, I just can't. Listen, follower of Jesus Christ, that's a lie that you keep telling yourself. Crack the Bible open and figure out how you learn. I can't do that for you. I've had to figure out over the years, 50 plus years, of how it is that I learn. I learn with the Bible open, some Christian music playing in the background. I have my journal, and I run, my, my son-in-law, Justin, buys me every year a big thing of pilot pens because I go through ink like you would not believe. Sarah buys me the journals. She doesn't buy me expensive ones anymore because after I fill them in, I throw them out. Uh, but I spend time, because that's how I learn. I don't know how you guys learn. I can give you examples, ideas, and you guys can try them, but you've got to figure it out. You've got to get with God. You've been given the mind of Christ. If you're a Christian, you have God the Holy Spirit in you, and you can understand God's Word. And I know some of you, you will tell me things that you've learned and then tell me you can't learn something. No, you just told me you learned nothing. <laughs> and then I... I don't have any hair to pull out anymore. You know. uh, I'm getting way beating a dead horse here. I don't even know where I'm at. So not only did God personally form you in your mother's womb and knows everything about you, not only did he die for you, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the mind of Christ to understand God has your days figured out. God knows what He wants for your future. 
See, another deal that we have as depressed people, the people who are, are struggling with this, some of you, you don't struggle with this. And that's dangerous. But those of us who are depressed, we're actually a little bit ahead of you. Because you probably should be depressed. Because what's happening in a depressed person is, I don't like the way my life is. I am not content. I want my life to be a certain way, a different way. I want my life to be the way I think my life should be. I don't want to have this fear. I don't want to have this situation. And what are we doing? We're forming our life. We're saying how we want our life to be. No. No. It's not why God saved us. God saved us to change our life. God saved us so that we do life the way he wants us to do life for his purposes. We are new creations. It's not about building Harold's kingdom. I don't know Jack. I don't. I think I do and I start doing it and then I just mess it up. Because it's not about building my kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. Look what Paul says in Ephesians. Two, he just gets on talking about what salvation is, how it came about. And then he says this, for we Christians are his workmanship. He, he's molding our lives, not us. He's molding our lives. We don't mold our own lives. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand and we would walk in them. What God has saved us for is to represent him. And so my, my circumstances that I'm in may be of my own choosing, but now I go into that circumstance and I represent Christ in that circumstance. I, I, I may have fear over something. I may be anxious about something. I, I told the first service this, and I'm, I'm trying not to get long here, but every week I sit in the back. And I mentioned this probably last week, I think, too. I, I, I just I start getting anxious. I start having thoughts in my head that are not true. I start thinking that you guys don't care. I started thinking, this isn't going to make sense to anybody. I even had a thought this morning that, wow, a year or two ago, I got up and I taught one Sunday morning, and I forgot my place to the point that it was silent in the room. People were like, is, is he having a stroke? I mean, what's going on with him? And I, Why would that come to my mind? Because I'm a sinful human being. <laughs> but what did I do in that instance? I, I continued praying. I said, God, forgive me for that thought. You're, you say that your word does not return to you without doing its work. And so we're going through Psalm 139. That's God's word. I'm, I'm just here talking. It's God's Holy Spirit's responsibility to make this sink into your heart. I, I'm just talking. So anyways, again, this is, to me, this has been the hardest truth for me to swallow that I keep on trying to build my life. I keep telling God what I think. And God's like, I don't care what you think. That's not the best for you. The best for you is to think the way I think. And therein lies the battle. Let's move on. <clears throat> Verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me or about me, O oh God. God looks at you and he says you're precious. You're precious. <laughs> Not Lord of the Rings, precious. How vast is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still, I, I'm still with you. Sorry, I lost track. God thinks about you a lot. 
And it's not in a bad way. (laughs) He's not looking to beat you up. He's looking to convict you if necessary. It's one of the reasons why we who are depressed are depressed. He's trying to get us, hey, you guys aren't thinking right. But he's not for mean reasons. You're precious to him. You who have kids and grandkids, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Our kids are precious. Our grandkids are precious. He says, you go, you go to bed at night and he's there. Just like us parents and grandparents, if we're having the kids over, you know, are they, are they breathing? <laughs> we want to, it's just so cool to watch them sleep. Have you thought about God being that way with you? He has. He is. He, he, he likes to think about you. And the amount of times that he thinks about you is you can't even count. Listen, if you're struggling, think about that for a while. Let that soak in. And through the night, I just love this idea, through the night, and when you wake up, he's still there. He's been there all night long. Making sure you have a sound sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, why is that happening? Well, for no other reason than you can just spend some time with him. Remembering who he is and what he's done. David talks about it all the time. All right, moving on. Okay, so now he moves to his enemies. He says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Go to the next one. Do not hate those who hate, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. And so David's talking about his enemies here. And for me, when... i got to stay with my notes here. <laughs> for me, I thank the Lord, I don't think I have any enemies, human enemies. At least not yet. Uh, I don't think I have them. But my thoughts are... And so when I read verses like this, what I do is I take them and say, well, my, you know, my thoughts are my enemies. And so I pray these, what David writes, I pray these to God as if they're my thoughts that are my enemies. And so I challenge you to do the same thing. When my, when my mind and my thoughts go against what God says, I have to call it out what it is, and it's an enemy of God. It's going up against God. It's not true. And so I ask God, God, give me a hatred for those thoughts that are not yours. Give me a hatred for sin that keeps me away from you. Grow my love for you. There's a reason why Paul gives us this list, the armor of God. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil or the wrong thoughts that we have. All right? there, Satan's not involved in everyone's life, but there's this, this uh, influence in the world and that it kind of feeds us as well. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, all of it, so we'll be able to resist an evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Where do you find truth? The Bible. See, I actually gave you the answer. And having put on breastplate of righteousness, what's righteousness? Doing life God's way. Thinking the way God wants you to think. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We've got to remember that you were saved for something more. 
Not just for you, but for God and what he wants to do. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which is believing that God's way is better than your way, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, your wrong thoughts, and take the helmet of salvation. Remember, you've been saved from sin. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We put that on every day. And we fight every time the thoughts come our way. Listen, they're not going to go away. They may come from different angles. Because God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to continue to draw us closer to Him. He wants us to become more and more like Christ. And so then after all of that, after all of what David says, and as David thinks about who God is and how awesome he is and how God thinks he's precious and that God cares about what he is and God is protecting him and, and all that, he says, says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my thoughts, my desires, my fears. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me. God, is there any other areas where I'm self-absorbed? where it's all about me and what I think and who cares what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do this, do that. Where, where are those places, God? Reveal them, show them to me. Oh, go back. I don't think I finished. Thank you. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Take me down your path to think the way you think. That's what David said. Man, I can trust you, God. I can trust to lay open my heart to you, to lay open my mind to you and say, God, where else am I not thinking the way you want me to think? Where else am I not responding the way you want me to respond? Where does my life need to get in line with what you're doing? We need him to pour into us. He pours into us through his word and through God, the Holy Spirit, who takes his word and penetrates. So what's the takeaway? Well, first of all, if you're an unbeliever, you need to let God into your life. If you're a person who's never placed your faith in Christ, that's, that's the first step. You need to have God a part of your life. He created you. He loves you. He thinks you're precious, but, but you're not connected with him in a relationship. And so you need to admit that you're a sinner, that you've broken his laws, that you're separated from him. And understand that. And then just turn to him and say, God, I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross. And at that moment, you become a new creature. God, the Holy Spirit, is put into your life. You have now had the mind of Christ, and now the battle begins. Now you continue to work through those things that God reveals to you, knowing that he's got it, and that you're going to grow from it. And as believers, you need to let God's word into your life. And, a, and not just a five-minute devotional thought. It's time to move past five-minute devotions, opening up the daily bread and going, oh, that was nice. Time to move past that, people. It's time to get into the Word. Open it up. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And then apply it. We had nine people at the grow classes we talked about for the most of that class. And there's, that class will come again. And so if you're like, I'm not sure how to do it. We teach you how to do it. And it's not really that hard, by the way. It's not praying some self-focused prayer telling God about how scared you are. Yeah, you can tell them you're scared, but then get, get your prayer focused on what God's word says. Remind yourself, let God's light come in and overwhelm the darkness that's in your heart and in your mind. Let's go ahead and stand. We're closing prayer.